Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Elman Abdel Mahmoud. Nailed it. Yes. Editor, news curation with BuzzFeed News. Hello, welcome to Canada Land. How's it going today? It's going pretty well, especially you're here, your first time on the show. It's great to have you. At last. I'm Ashley Chinati. I'm filling in for Jesse Brown. He's on some beach somewhere in Jamaica. Lucky dude, as it's freezing here. All right, Elements. So today we have quite the week. Uh, three related topics we're actually going to tackle. So the first is the horrific shooting in a mosque in Quebec City on Sunday night. The second is Trump's immigration ban on that's apparently not about Muslims, but it's totally about Muslims. And a motion to study racism and Islamophobia in Canada that's currently before Parliament. Welcome to Canada Land Shortcuts. Thank you kindly. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Stephen Robinson, Lisa McDonald, Clayton Rudy, Sheila Hansen, Ron Ellsworth, Craig D. Adams, Bill Dickey, and James Monroe. James, why did you decide to be awesome? Because you're witty, self-aware, informative, and responsive to your audience. I chose to support Canada Land because I believe it serves an important role in informing Canadians on issues that matter. This episode is also brought to you by Canada Land's founding sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks makes super easy cloud accounting software for freelancers and small businesses. 
It's like having your own accountant, except you don't have to talk to anyone. You can use FreshBooks for everything from tracking your hours to logging expenses to getting a sense of what's coming in and out. Plus, you don't have to send embarrassing Microsoft Word invoices anymore. FreshBooks makes your invoices look professional, and they found that when you use them, you get paid faster. It saves you time, so you can spend more time on your actual business. And you can try it out for free. That's right, for free, for 30 days at freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. That's freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. Sign up right now at freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. And when you do, tell them we sent you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away, but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. So, Elevin, it's great to have you here. It's your first time on CanadaLand. Absolutely. My very first time in these hallowed grounds. So I'm, I'm glad I can already uh, make something, like fix something Jesse didn't do because yeah, he right. should have had you sooner. That's right. That's right. When he's away, we finally get to fix the, the wrongs. There we go. That's, that's, that's the point of today. Good. All right. So in much less fun-filled fare, the horrible tragedy on the weekend in Quebec Mm -hmm. started unrolling Sunday night, six people dead, 19 injured, a couple still in critical condition in hospital. It was a very fluid situation. And one of the things that was really interesting was how sort of slow the English media was to get on the story. When I first heard about it, I found going to the French language media, I was getting a bit more... And apparently one of the French language networks that I don't get, I don't have cable, I don't know about you, but I've cut the cord. I don't have cable either. um, Had some very quick coverage, but the slow ones, there was a lot of people lamenting the fact there wasn't any sort of instant news coverage of this. 
do you think before we sort of get into the politics of the reaction of the nature of the shooting, how did you react to the fact that it was sort of a slow trickle out because it was a Sunday night? You know, to me, uh, I've also cut the cord. Um, in terms of breaking news, I tend to get my breaking news from Twitter. So for me, I was watching Twitter. So as soon as information started sort of coming out, um, that's where I turned to get the latest. Um, so it was not especially a big loss for me, but I understand, you know, trying to turn on the CBC and not finding um, that programming on there. Yeah, yeah, I think I would imagine that would be somewhat upsetting for some people. And I, I think, you know, it is Sunday night, so your staffing is going to be a little bit lighter. But Quebec City is a pretty major, like it is the seat of government in this country. All the reporters did get mobilized sort of later in that evening. But I think that perhaps this shows a bit about what the declining staffing is doing to our media landscape. I mean, 24-hour news, the expectation of it is still a relatively modern phenomenon. But even now, we don't seem almost as able to fulfill that on the TV side. But on Twitter and on print, it was definitely there. So, Did anybody go live? Did anybody like from the English networks at all go live? They started to have phoners. Okay. Like, when I was watching um, CBC's The National, they changed it up a little bit and had a, had a phoner. And same thing with Global that came on afterwards. So those I pick up over my antenna. I just don't have cable news anymore at home. Right. Um, but overall, how do you think they, that we did with the coverage of this shooting? I mean, it was very fluid. There's a lot of misre- misreporting right from the beginning. The fact that it was in a mosque made it a very heated and political story from the very out on top of it just being the tragedy of six people losing their lives. Yeah, I th- you know, I think there's something about this particular story that came, you know, it came the day after um, Canadians were reacting to the fact uh, that dual citizens, at least for a period of time on Saturday, um, were banned from going to the United States. And I think that's something we'll talk about later. It was just such a tense climate, such a tense atmosphere um, coming in the, the, the aftermath of Trump's ban that, to me, I actually really appreciate how we handled that story in terms of being very careful with the with the with the news that came out. And I say we being like most major um, networks. I saw a lot of U.S. networks start to cover this, um, and they got a little bit out of hand, got a little bit carried away, uh, especially with the names of the, names of the suspects um, and the identity of one of the suspects, which is something that our prime minister's office, uh, you know, quickly addressed eventually. So that's a really interesting point. I don't want to repeat his name because I think it's already been out there enough. Yes. But there was a, a man with a very distinctly Muslim name who was mm-hmm. one of the two initial arrestees. And we've now learned it's just he saw a gun and he ran because they'd been being shot at, as right. one probably would. That's right. He was a witness. He was a witness. So they cleared that up quickly and he was released. But his name and the fact that there was connotations this might be Islamic terrorism quickly got picked up on by, say, the Daily Beast in the States. Fox News sort of didn't let it go yes. until, like you said, the prime minister's office essentially picked a public fight with them and won. Mm-hmm. And then we have the rebel and sort of the alt-right media in the States now doing this like weird conspiracy theory. They're just theory. asking questions. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. They're asking questions. They're just asking questions. You know. That's, why, that's the thing that they do, right? Like, right. They just, a, they just ask questions. That's right. Hateful just, questions. Yes. Irresponsible questions. It, I mean, that, that's really what it is, right? Is um, in a story like this, when you want to be as careful as possible with the facts, because they're already inflamed enough, people have lost their lives. Um, saying something like, I'm just asking questions, is the very definition of being irresponsible here. And um, I'm not going to name specific outlets, the rebel. But um, I think... Hi, Ezra. <laughs> I think there is, I think there's a particular bit of a responsibility um, with the way that they handle that. And I don't think 
even as argumentative as Ezra tends to be, I don't think there is even a world where he would argue that they handle that responsibly. It doesn't help that I'm a Muslim talking about this and accusing you, so I'm very sorry, but you handle this irresponsibly. All right. So what about how the prime minister's office handled this feud with Fox News? I thought it was interesting that they went public. I, I always get a little bit tense about the idea of the prime minister's office laying the heavy on a media outlet. Brave new world, fam. Like this is this is where we are now, right? Like if Trump does it and Trump does it day in and day out, um, the failing New York Times, I think, what was it yesterday? I think I think earlier today or yesterday, um, he said something about um, one news outlet that needs to get its act together. Listen, if if Fox News messed up on that, I think they should have been called out on it. I think this is a very different caliber yeah. um, than Trump just, you know, sort of naming media outlets he doesn't like. It's interesting to see sort of how it's playing out. And one thing I've been rather heartened by is that people are talking about the fact that there is a pattern of Islamophobia in Canada where we aren't sort of having the like, oh, no, racist Quebec conversation. That's right. Because I think the Quebec media itself is having a very good and nuanced, especially if you start looking at the French language press, Mm -hmm. nuanced debate about this and how this young man became radicalized in some way to if you you, something has to snap in your mind to want to go kill a bunch of people. Right. So I feel like the word radicalization is fair there, though I'm sure some would come at us for that. So I actually wanted to play you a clip. So our former governor general, Adrian Clarkson, had uh, something to say about what she thought was the cause of this. And I thought it was interesting. Hit me. We are now seeing a president who is a president by tweet. And a president by tweet does that in 142 characters. And I wanted to put into context what's happening in Canada with the fact that we have a porous border and people watch things and they get the language of hatred, exclusion, uh, of ignorance. And that is really what is frightening. And that's what makes possible something like that horrifying event in Quebec City. <laughs> You're making little, like, popping hand gestures. Little finger guns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe that's not appropriate in this particular instance. But, like, you know, where you like, snaps. Just, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a real sense of us taking on the language um, that people are speaking south of the border. And a good example of this has been Kelly Leach, you know, um, campaign manager. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's I think we have to understand that when we watch those things and they become mirrored here, mm-hmm. um, we are responsible for that. And we are responsible for having this conversation as openly as possible. And I just, you know, I, I just good job, Adrian Clarkson. I think it's a great quote. Um, I think I really like what you were saying about, you know, the the trickle of the language coming here. So Niku Vallis, who is Kelly Leach's campaign manager, used the word cock uh, in a tweet to an academic. He's now apologized for it. Good on Mr. Kuvalis for that, I guess. But the fact that very generous with you. (laughs) Yeah. Good on him. Sure. I think we all sometimes say things on Twitter we shouldn't. So I have never called someone a cuck. And then they're like, (laughs) ah. You know, maybe that was a little over the line. It is a very, like, loaded and very racist word to come to your mind. It's just, I don't know why you, cuck would be the first thing that would come to your mind. Unless you're very actively trying to court a the sense that there's an alt-right growing in Canada. And if you want to foster that and still be engaged in mainstream politics with, with politicians like Mayor John Tory in Toronto... That raises a lot of questions for his other clients, though, doesn't it? Sure does. Yeah. Sure does. 
so I think I agree a lot with what Adrian Clarkson was saying, but I think the one thing that tweaked me about it a little bit is it 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 felt like something that we've been having a lot this week, which is um, a lifting of culpability off of Canadian shoulders and saying this is the Trump effect coming here. When in reality, I think the history of Islamophobia in this country, um, in particular in in Quebec, started with that discussion of the values charter and niqab bans and the provincial election in that province and then the federal election. And there were, you know, hate crimes inspired by some of the rhetoric coming out of both of those campaigns. And so I, I love the spirit of what she's saying. I just don't think we can put this on Trump. Well, I, I don't think she was, to me, that didn't sound like she was trying to put it on Trump. But there's something that we've inherited. Here's what I was trying to say earlier that I don't think came out very clearly is that we've inherited this this um, sort of learned from Trump um, and from Trump style politics, um, this weird openness about being hostile and hateful of certain people. Uh, that is something that has been you know, the going MO in the States, and they sort of starting to creep in here. Um, I miss the days of subtle racism. Like, I miss the days <laughs> of, like, having to sit around and, like, parse language and be like, you know, they're trying to say this, but this is how that's coded for this. But now it's just right there. Like, now it's just someone being hateful and they just say it straightforwardly in your face um, or on Twitter. And, and they, you know, these implications just like fly around and you don't have to dig very deep for the hate. And I guess I just I miss the days of like polite Canadian racism where you have to like bury it a little and then someone has to like parse it out a little for you. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Those were I better definitely days. Get that. They were better, they were better days. days. Yeah. Uh, I think that actually leads well into one of our other topics, which was the idea of uh, M103. It's a motion from... Um, Erka Khalid, she's an MP for Mississauga, and basically the premise of it is that she's calling on Parliament to condemn and study the presence of Islamophobia and racism in general in Canada. Yes. Um, but in particular, uh, she's also calling for tracking of hate crimes. So the full motion, we'll post a link with the with the podcast so you can look at it but the basic crux of it is that in the opinion of the house the government should a recognize the need to quell the increasing public climate of hate and fear b condemn islamophobia and all forms of systemic racism and religious discrimination c request the standing committee on canadian heritage to undertake a study on how the government could one develop a whole of government approach to reducing or eliminating systemic racism and religious discrimination including islamophobia in canada while ensuring a community-centered focus with a holistic response through evidence-based policymaking to collect data to contextualize hate crime reports and to conduct needs assessments for impacted communities and that the committee should prevent its findings and recommendations to the house no longer than 248 calendar days blah 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 more jargon mm -hmm. so the basic gist of that is Islamophobia and racism are bad. We need to study it more in this country. A committee should look at how we can do a better job of studying it. How dare an MP suggest that in a House of Commons? Right. What? I am offended. Yeah. I I just this is part of creeping Sharia in this country. Yeah. You have to read. Um, so jihadwatch.org. Yes. Favorite has website. A great, great take on this yes, motion, they and do. you know it's it's about how the Parliament of Canada is going to adopt Sharia law. That's what this motion means. Yeah, I, you know, it, there's something amazing to me about um, there's this certain movement um, that should not be named that exists in this country and south of the border. Um, they say, that, like, well, why don't we just look at 
racism and how it's real and they go you want this is some thought police shit you know like that's like their first response is that they just want to be like you're control you're trying to control our thoughts you're trying to police the way that we 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 say these things um and it puzzles me a lot well like how deeply ingrained does your racism have to be to your identity to feel like you're being thought policed for someone to say like racism is bad and we should maybe study it that's right that's right like nothing in that motion I suggest that anyone at all um, will be attacked for anything that they say. No, it's the idea of systemic racism. It's those code words that have become <laughs> triggers for the right, <laughs> where they don't like it. They're like, oh well, no, my they don't little... have triggers. Come on, they yeah. don't. My They're little, totally uh, trigger free. My yeah. little stone heart is uh, is is trembling. Yeah. How dare anyone study the idea of systemic racism, whether it exists, how it impacts society at all? Not as opposed to saying that like. You know, this is something that we should solve immediately, and these are all the ways to solve it. We should teach all the children about systemic racism. I mean, that would be nice, but I'm 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 advocating that. But in this house, all they want to do is just study it and its impact. I don't see how that's a problem. You, we, I asked you to duly note something every week. Yes. So I'm curious, what what what's burning? What's got your gears this week? What do you? You know, I mean, listen, I've listen, I've been on Twitter for many days looking at nice pundits whom I admire, who want to take Kathleen Wynne to task um, for for shooting down road tolls um, in Toronto. And I know this is a very Toronto-centric story, but like to me, um, I don't see how she had any other option. We have a city council that refuses to raise property taxes by anything higher than inflation. Um, and we're all just sitting around pretending like that's normal for some reason, but we really want to pass the cost down to the 905. And, you know, I, maybe it's because I'm like a little bit sensitive to this, maybe because I'm from Kingston, Ontario. But, you know, I, I don't see how those people should pay for your roads, Toronto. Get your act together. So I'm from Kitchener, and I think that the people who use the roads should pay for them. And fight, I think that me. I think that it's as many, you know, people in the 905 as people in Kitchener and people in Kingston. When you come in for like a hockey game and you're buying like $200 hockey tickets, paying two bucks to take the gardener isn't going to make or break your trip. And I think it's I think the reason I like road pricing in general and the reason I'm so disappointed in the premier is that she's someone who said we wanted to have a adult conversation about transit. She's someone who helped draft the regulations that gave the city of Toronto the ability to ask the province for road tolls. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who said um, who's trying to have an adult conversation with these HOT lanes and then said in December, you know what, it's a city council decision. I'm going to respect the city of Toronto. And now she, for another liberal seat saving move, it's something they're really great at, this provincial party. They've they've 180 on something that she herself has tried to champion as good evidence-based public policy. None of that is to say that our property taxes aren't too low in this but this, city. But that's just it, right? And I don't, think like... it's, I don't think it's an either or. Maybe it's a both. It's... Definitely a both. Yeah. But so there's no the universe. the DVP and the gardener and raise the property taxes. If the premier came out and said, told the DVP and the gardener, but you have to raise your property taxes up to the, like the average of the GTA before we'll allow you to do so, I would have been like clapping but in the streets. But this city like, council has shown like a persistent inability to play ball in terms of raising yes. property taxes. Because guess what? They too are worried about re-election and that's the yeah. one thing that they're not ever going to touch. And so... Because the property values have gotten so high though. What about those grandparents who live in like Ossington and have this I'm like not, house that is skyrocketed I'm and couldn't saying, afford a height? I'm not saying Premier Wynn is, is a hero for doing this. <laughs> it, I'm not at all saying that. I'm just saying like... Listen, if you're going to call someone for being a coward, call everybody a coward. Okay. Um, you know? And, and I guess that's what you want to do. Pretty much. Yeah. All right.
All right. So let's do no one wants to do evidence based policy. I'm about like this close from trying to like campaign for a technocracy at this point. So well, or techn- technocracy, which is it? I don't I think it's the first one. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, listen, no, yeah. I, I, as long as politicians are worried about their jobs yeah. forever, they're going to do the thing that, that pleases the largest number of people. And it's very disappointing. All right. So I'm actually going to do my duly noted on something that I'm proud of the premier for, because cool. I actually do have a lot of respect for Premier Kathleen Wynne. So this week she went to a mosque to comfort the Ontario community that was grieving mm-hmm. with its, you know, its religious community in Quebec. And immediately there were these right wing pundits, most of whom are not about to come, you know, to the women's march against Trump. Name names. <laughs> Some of them work for the same company as me. So I'm just going to throw it out there. There were a lot of critics of Premier Wynne who were not pleased with her decision to go to a mosque because she gasped, had to put on a headscarf and sat at the back before she addressed the con like with the women before she addressed the congregation. And for some reason, this is the most offensive thing ever. And it just drives me nuts because it's not like these are people who are showing up for the ladies the rest of the time. They suddenly find their feminist credentials when they want to criticize like Islam or some other kind of other. It's the same way people try to use when they talk about Canadian values. They're like, well, respecting women is one of our Canadian values. So how could we possibly let in people from countries where where like they don't have women's rights or something like that's that. when you hand yourself like I have several questions about that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And it's like first, maybe they want the women's rights, so that's why they're coming here. Second of all, where were you when, you know, the fight was about abortion access in PEI or um the fact that Planned Parenthood Ottawa had to put out an emergency fundraising appeal last year? We think this stuff doesn't happen in this country, but it does. Mm-hmm. But they're only here for the ladies when it furthers some other agenda of theirs. I like your duly noted. So we have one more clip, and this is about the immigration ban. All right. And so I know that you were on, you had a great panel on CBC's The National on mm-hmm. Sunday, where you talked a bit about this. Um, so I'll ask you to sort of react to this. It's Andrew Leslie. He's the parliamentary assistant to Foreign Minister Christia Freeland, but he's very specifically tasked with Canada-U.S. relations. And so Trudeau was getting a lot of great press internationally for his tweet saying, like, Canada is open. But the government has also been very careful with how they've been handling their criticisms of the Trump administration. And this is a great example. Here's Mr. Leslie talking on the CBC. The Americans, as we know so well, are our closest friend and biggest ally. The temptation may be there to criticize them publicly, but that's not what friends do. If you've got differences, you resolve them quietly. You resolve them person to person based on longstanding relationships. And I think we're on track to do that. Fine. No, I'm mad. I listen. I <laughs> there is like <laughs> there is like a world where I hate this so much. Okay, so I don't know where to begin. I think there is a line where you criticize your friends in private, and there is a line where if you have a dear friend who did something really bad and really racist out in the open, very publicly, you go. Actually, my friendship with you is impacted by this, and I would like you to know that. And I'd like everybody else who I'm friends with. This friendship analogy is terrible. Um, to, to to also to know that as well. That's why there's a very good reason why the, the, the chief of the European Union called Donald Trump a worrying threat um, in a time where Canada's government was being a little bit careful. Now, listen, I'm all for pragmatism. I get it. I think, yeah, I think the Canadian government has to be very careful about it. But let's not 
throw a moralistic argument around it. Let's just be like, oh, man, like we really can't criticize him too publicly because it would have very serious consequences for us. Um, I guess I'd rather if someone has to take, you know, I've done it lots of times when people close to me have done something terrible where I and they have um, where I was like, I think I'm being a bit of a coward on this and I'm, I'm just going to have to accept that. I, I face that reality. I think that answer doesn't sound like it's facing reality. You just called General Andrew Leslie a coward. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I called the Canadian foreign policy in relationship to handling, especially dual citizens, you know, shy. Why don't we say I, that? I know. I, I agree with you. I yeah. think we could be. I think you can be stronger in disagreeing with them. I think we've had times in our history where we were. Trudeau Sr. did not win any friends in Washington when he opened the door to China or when he made friends with Fidel Castro. That's right. So, and were those the right things to do? People still debate that. I mean, Castro was a pretty brutal dictator. There's a lot of human rights issues in China. But the liberalization of trade around the world has been generally good for people. That's a contentious statement. I don't do it for trade, but anyway. Okay. But no, I just just mean like, you know, there are lots of defenses of, you know, being like a, a good democratic neighbor mm-hmm. um without necessarily the liberal trade bit. but that's okay. like a whole other that's a whole other we're gonna go but into yeah, the like yeah. globalization and yes you know people can access goods more yeah. widely and yes. more cheaply than ever before that's true on the back of the working poor but it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> all right so the other thing i wanted to talk to you a bit about though is because you you did stress the dual citizens and how this has impacted you as someone who is a dual citizen yeah man so like on on saturday you know from i think there was a reuters report that first came out that said like dual citizens of these seven nations that are banned from the u.s um will not be and en- will not be allowed to enter and so for like a good eight hours i was like huh it appears as though I am banned from entering the United States. Now, look, like I work for a company that's based in the States. Uh, last year, I went to the States six times. Um, three, two or three of those were for work. So it was, it was, it was a bit shocking. It was a bit shocking to like, because it, it makes it an additional level of real. You know, you go from like knowing people who are impacted by this, um, because I have tons of family in Sudan, to all of a sudden it's like, it's, it's you. And I've been living in Canada for 17 years. Um, I've been a citizen for 14. Um, so it was... It was quite a surprise. So now you, ostensibly, you can go to the States. Yeah. Not a risk I'm willing to take, but absolutely. So how will will you, like you said, you know, BuzzFeed's head office is in New York. Will you go for work? I I, I think work has been amazing about this. Yeah. Like they, they, you know, I had like four different people reach out to me the same day that it was announced. Um, I, I don't think they're going to expect me to go to the States in the next little while. I think they're going to, you know, I don't think anybody's, anybody's going to ask. Right. Um, but that said, like I also go to the states quite often recreationally, and I think that's something that I'm going to have to like put a little to the side for the next few months until at least there's some clarity around this, because right now there is no clarity at all. And that's one of those things that I'm having a hard time wrapping my own head around. I have a um, a bachelorette I'm planning in the states, and I where we're going is actually a surprise for the bride. But she and I were talking about it last night. I was like, "Look, I want to tell you that this is going to be in the states. Let me know if you want to cancel it." And she's like, "Let's like let stuff shake out a little bit yeah. over the next few months because we aren't planning to go until until Labor Day." But like we sort of have this like this impulse of like I don't really want to go to the states if they're going to make it difficult for other people to go to the States. You know what I mean? I've heard that sentiment quite a bit, you know, like just in the last couple of days, a lot of people are like, 
I don't need to go to, you know, I don't need to go to Vegas. I don't need to yeah. go to Florida. I don't need to go to these places. You can fly just as cheaply to Mexico yeah. or to like London or yeah. something. Yeah, like go so. go elsewhere in Canada. Yourself. It's our 150th anniversary. <laughs> That's right. Find a cute Airbnb in some part of the country you've never seen and right. learn something about about your own country. Go to Abbotsford, BC. It's the Miami of Canada. I've always wanted to see the Sable <laughs> Island ponies. Maybe uh <laughs> Maybe that'll be something I'll do Why not? instead of going to America. That would make, make a great bachelorette. I'm yeah. sure I'm going to get a call when this goes on the air of like, we're not going to the Sable Island ponies, That's Ashley. not where we're going. But uh, I, 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 then, you know, there's also the argument of do you hurt the local economies of cities that voted for Hillary Clinton and are very liberal places that are going to see their funding cut by this administration? I mean, sure. But maybe those people will be out in the streets protesting, too. Yeah. I'm I'm all for, you know, putting pressure on people to to act. And I think one thing that's been really interesting in the follow up to this ban is like how radicalized, how politicized people are. Um, people are angry. People are out in the streets. Um, it's been fascinating. I yeah, love it. The coffee shop downstairs has like a yes, we're angry, but coffee helps side. Yeah. Like it's just everywhere. There's yeah. this like rage and sadness. Everyone's sort of oscillating between it and. It helps to have these kinds of conversations. Oh, and it's been great. I'm so glad to have uh, brought you on Canada Land. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. So that's your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it with or without Jesse. You can reach me at Ashley Chinati on Twitter. That's Ashley with an L-E-Y, C-S-A-N-A-D-Y. The same thing at Gmail also works. And you can find Elemin on Twitter at Elemin88. That's E-L-A-M-I-N-88. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. This show is produced by Russell Gregg. His first, welcome Russell. If you live in Hamilton, you can catch a live taping of The Imposter tomorrow, Friday, February 3rd at 9.30 p.m. They're calling it Hamilton, comma, the musical, not to be confused with Hamilton, colon, the musical. It's got live music from the band Xena a fake TED Talk, some local GIF history, and the story of Hollywood's first movie star, who happens to be from Hamilton. Tickets are $15, and you can get them at the Mills Hardware Store website. Go to millshardware.ca and click on Get Tickets. I'll be back Monday while Jesse continues to laze on the beach. And if you like what we do, please support us. Again, that's at patreon.com slash canadaland. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ashley Chinati. Until next time. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.